God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. For 160 years in this particular congregation, and for as many years as God has allowed you life on this earth, His grace, His mercy, and His peace. I want to share with you two stories. One of them happened 22 years ago. One of them happened 2,000 years ago. Listen carefully. The date was October 19th, 1997. 22 years ago, Chicago Marathon was being run in downtown Chicago. And this guy standing in this pulpit ran his first Chicago Marathon. Five others came along, my wife, Ken and Sandy Schubert, Bill and Donna Richards, they came along to offer cheer and support and to drag home this body if worst came to worst. 26.2 miles. The Richards and the Schuberts and Connie had mapped out their strategy. They did not tell me what their strategy was going to be, but they mapped it out. They looked at the race route. They asked me, how fast do you intend to run this? And I said, seven and a half minute miles. And so they mapped out their strategy. They were there at the six-mile marker, they were there at the 12, they were there at the 15, they were there at the 18, and they were there at the 26.2. They just scattered all over the city and made sure that as they looked at their watches and calculated the time, they would be standing there. They had one concern. There were 22,000 runners back then, there are 40,000 now. Their one concern was, they'll never see me With all of the runners, they'll be looking for me, but they'll not see me. And there they stood at each mile marker, and they were saying to me, we were screaming at the top of our lungs. And then at the end of the race, they asked this question. Did you see us? We were so excited to see you, and we were so excited to see all the other runners, and we saw you at every marker that we went to. Did you see us? Did you hear us? Did it help you get your strength and courage up when you heard our voices? Guess what? I didn't see them. Not one single time did I see them. And I said to them somewhat sheepishly, I didn't see you ever. Didn't see you once. And the look on their face as they contemplated all the time they spent running here and there, running their own marathon to make sure they were at every mile marker that they had planned. And I said to them, didn't see you, didn't hear you. What a look of disappointment and shock was on their faces. Why didn't I see them? Because of the race itself. You got thousands of runners all over the place to the side of you, in front of you, and back of you, and they're pushing and shoving and they're toppling over and all that stuff. And then you're looking at your watch to make sure your pace is what you want it to be. And then two miles water and four miles Gatorade and six miles protein bars. There's so much going on. There's so many spectators. You're just kind of numb as the pain begins to build. I didn't notice you at all. They kept coming to those marathons. I did four more. But their strategy changed. 
their strategy became this. We will see you at the start of the race. And then after the start of the race, they went to breakfast at one of the downtown motels. They ate a leisurely breakfast, they conversed, they, people watched, uh, they stayed nice and warm, uh, they did a little bit of shopping, uh, and then they looked at their watches and they said, ah, three and a half hours has gone by, we should get there to have the finish line. What was their reasoning? They were very smart, weren't they? They were very smart. Their reasoning was, if I never noticed them, nothing would change. So why go through all that energy if I wasn't going to notice them anyway? Let's go to breakfast. Let's meet him at the finish line if he's still moving. Let me share another story from 2,000 years ago. There was a marathon being run in Luke 17. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travels along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who were running a marathon called leprosy met him. The lepers stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, would you notice us? Would you notice us? And would you have pity on us? And Jesus noticed them. Verse 14, he saw them. And he said to them, I will heal you. Go into the village, show yourself to the priests, and they will notice that your skin is pure. And as they went, those ten lepers running the marathon called leprosy, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that his skin was as pure as a baby's, One of them, when he saw that the disease was gone, he came back and he said, I saw you, Jesus. In the midst of this race called the marathon, I saw you. And Jesus said, did the other nine not see me? Why were you the only one who saw me, came back and gave thanks and praise? How come the other other nine never saw me? And maybe the lepers said to him, because they were too busy with the race. They were wondering why the illness had come. They were overjoyed that they're going to see their children again. They were wondering if their business was still in operation. There were so many things going through their mind, Jesus. That's why they didn't see you in the midst of this race. And Jesus said, but you saw me, didn't you? And he said, I saw you every step of the way. Jesus, I saw you every step of the way. And Jesus made an astonishing comment. He said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has changed everything now about your life. Hasn't just healed you of the disease. It's made your entire life whole. When you wake up in the morning and you believe it with all your heart, this is the day that God has made. Everything changes, does it not? 
The blessings that are in your life when you say this is the day that God has made. The blessings in your life have become multiplied and absolutely changed. Because you know those blessings have come from God. Because you see Him. You see Him. When the doctor says you're pregnant and another doctor said you'll never get pregnant. When that news comes, you see Him. And when you've been unemployed for a number of months and then you get a phone call and here's a job, you see him. In the blessings of your life, your faith has made you whole. Your life is complete because he has invaded your life and you know it's him. And when a storm comes, so a gentleman here this morning at this service. His wife passed away yesterday, for Pete's sake, and he's here this morning. Why? Because in the midst of the race, he sees him. He sees him. Do, does Paul Strand see him? I didn't see Connie or Ken or Donna or Bill or Sandy. I didn't see them. And they stopped trying to see me. But I see him. Do you see him? There was a young man 15 years ago, he got cancer. And he was talking to his dad one day and he he said, Dad, some days I, I feel so sick and some days I feel well like I'm winning the battle. And, and some days this chemotherapy is working, and other days the doctor says it's not working. Got to try something else. He said, some days this and some days that. He said, Dad, it's like I'm on a raft and going down a river. And sometimes the river is very peaceful and calm. And I see him and I thank him. But sometimes, Dad, the river is, uh, is so treacherous, it's, it's just boiling over. But I, I still see him, Dad. I know the pilot of the raft that I'm on. And as long as I know the pilot and see him, I'll be all right. Uh, uh, do you see him? When you woke up this morning, if your life was just kind of neutral today, nothing too big, nothing too small, when you woke up this morning, did you see him? Did you kind of lift your hands up? This is a day that God has made. If it's a good day, if you had a wedding yesterday and and you're just still bubbling over, uh, did you see him? And if you woke up this morning with the greatest grief you've had in your life, uh, did you see him? Dr. Alex DeYoung has been a dear friend and doctor for 32 years. Got a letter this past week, uh, as did some of you in this congregation, who also has him as a doctor. The letter said he's retiring because of health issues. Alex has been part of our life for 32 years. With Joshua and his illness, with John and his illness, with Connie and myself, 32 years. We trust him more than you can ever imagine. 
Whenever he said, I want you to take this medicine, I want you to go to this specialist, I want you to do this, that, or the other, we never questioned him. We just said, that's Alex. I've got a car mechanic. I've had that car mechanic for 20 years. When he says, Paul, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be changed, da-da-da-da-da, I do it. I don't argue with Willie. I just do it. And if any of you say, I need a car mechanic, send you his direction. Here's God. He says, I'm going to give you three things in your life. I'm going to give you people, and I'm going to tell you how to treat them. I'm going to tell you to treat people with kindness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Return no man evil for evil. New commandment I give you, that you love one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. The list goes on and on. I'm going to give you people. I want you to see me in the race called people. And whoever I bring into your life, family or friends, I want you to treat them the same way. And if you treat them with kindness, they will return in the same measure that you pass out, in the same measure you will receive. Treat people with kindness. Secondly, he says, I'm going to give circumstances in your life. Some of them are going to be great joy. And the circumstances that bring you joy, I want you to have faith in the midst of the circumstance. I want you to have faith that that joy comes from me, that that blessing comes from me. In the midst of your excitement and joy, I want you to see me. And when the circumstance is very, very dark, and there is a grief and an anxiety so deep you can barely breathe, I want you to see me. Treat your circumstances with faith. Treat people with kindness. There is one third element of our lives. And it's called our treasures, our money, our paychecks. He said, I want you to treat that. I want you to see me in the paycheck. Once you realize the job came from me. If you're unemployed for a period of time and then you get a job, you understand that came from me. You understand it indelibly. I want you to see me in the paycheck. You keep 90%. Give me 10% back. Treat the paycheck with a tithe. And if you do so, Malachi 3, I'll pour out so much blessing upon you, you won't have room for it all. Do you see him in this marathon called life? Do you see him? People, circumstances, our money. Do you see him? I'm going to stop. I want to show you a video of a lady who's a member of our congregation. Her name is Emily Williams. And in ways far better than I can indicate, she saw him It brought her to this parochial school and it brought her to a mission that changed her life. Timothy.
We moved from the city of Chicago out to the south suburbs out here when I was in high school and my mom and I had joined Trinity Lutheran. I really loved the school here. Both of my daughters did go here. I really felt it was important for them to go to a Christian school because I had that as a child and I knew I wanted my kids to have that type of environment growing up. I just have always felt that it's been my calling to lead a godly life and it's what we're supposed to do. I just hoped that, you know, the Lord works through me being a Christian and being part of this church and I hope to become a better Christian. My journey with Compassion International started back in 2007. Ken Lash hosted a Compassion Sunday event here at church and we thought it would be a neat thing to do as a family. So we had selected a young girl whose age was the same as my daughter's at the time. And we began to share letters and share our lives back and forth with this young girl. The letters are your number one communication between the sponsor and the child. The letters are almost more important than the money. It's your this relationship that you build with your sponsor child. The following year, in 2008, Trinity decided to host a trip to El Salvador. So my daughter and I signed up and we went with Ken and a group of other individuals to El Salvador in which we were able to meet our sponsored child. I can't even tell you how emotional it is to do that. When you go there and you see that they have your letters and they keep them sacred in a book in their home, there's be nothing else in this home, barely a toothbrush or toothpaste, but yet they have your letters. You've been writing this person and seeing pictures of them and their family and learning about them, but now you're actually getting to meet them and hold them and hug them. It's very emotional for me because the conditions that a lot of these people live in, it's just wrong. There's many families that don't even have running water. They have to walk miles to get water coming out of a pipe that's not even filtered or clean. They barely have a home. There is no floor, it's just on dirt. Most of them don't have mattresses. We just don't understand that, that there are, that this is happening out there, that people live like this. You, you spend this day with them and it's like you just start to get maybe a little connection going and then the day is over and you have to say goodbye. And knowing that you're letting this family back out into their world, it's very sad and it's very scary. And you just pray that you know, they'll be safe and God will look out for them. On our first trip, our project leader had advised us to, to come back with grace. And I didn't really understand what he meant until I got back and I walked into a jewel grocery store. And it was very difficult. <laughs> see all the food that was there and to know that people don't have that. I am so grateful that Trinity is part of the Compassion family because when you actually get to see their work and how important it is, it just makes me proud to be part of both my church and Compassion International. It has definitely made me more of a humble person and more grateful for the things we have. I've always felt that God has looked out for me and kept me safe and has always provided for me. And I feel that God tells us that we are to share our blessings with other people or those less fortunate. So I'm excited to see what the future holds for Trinity. 
what we as a congregation, what we can share with other individuals and what we can help provide them and share our blessings with them. I want to be a part of that and want to help build others up and that's what it's all about. I had a gentleman in this congregation six months ago. He said to me, my mom just died, my dad has died, and he said, Pastor, I, my net worth is over a million dollars now because of the will. And he said, I've struggled with it ever since. I sit and think, if I get to heaven and God says, how come you have a million dollars? How come you didn't use that to help others? He said, I, I am having such a mighty struggle with this matter. I love Emily, right? Where she says, that's just wrong. Okay? I've listened to that so many times, been touched by it. Treat people with kindness, treat circumstances of life with faith, and treat money with grace, with, with the tithe, with some percentage. As you're praying over your three-year pledge, I keep thinking about that man as I'm thinking about my own pledge. If I come to heaven with $100,000 in the bank or 500000 or a million, is God going to say, my, you are really, really good? Or is he going to say, why didn't you use that? To help somebody. Heavenly Father, be with us in this process. I thank you so much for that video that Emily Williams did. You can see her heart is just all wrapped up in, in the needs that exist on this earth and her desire to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty to put clothes on the naked. Bless that which we are engaged in this fast forward for the spiritual benefits it can bring to us and for the fixing of matters that our ministries might continue unabated. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen.